Welcome back, everybody, to Twisted Minds. I'm your show host, Avery, and today's episode is titled, Which Self Fits Better? As we've been talking about, this podcast uncovers the chilling case of the Slenderman stabbing of 2014 in Waukesha, Wisconsin. 12-year-old Morgan Geyser stabbed her friend Peyton Lutner after planning for six months with another 12-year-old, Anissa Weyer. Geyser and Weyer lured Lutner into the woods the morning after the three had a sleepover and claimed they had to kill her in order to please the fictional character Slenderman who the two say they read about on the internet on a website for scary stories called Creepypasta. This is the third installment in this series, and here's what you missed last episode. Previously on Twisted Minds. In Geyser and Weyer's circumstances of being best friends, their close bond qualifies them to be diagnosed with shared imposed psychosis or fully imposed. In childhood schizophrenia, a child's perception of reality may be skewed by stories they read or hear about online, causing detrimental effects on their levels of fear, anxiety, and ability to express emotions. Alright, so to catch you all up on what we talked about in the last episode, we walked through the mental disorders the two girls had that influenced them to commit this vicious crime. We first examined the different types of shared delusion, also known as shared psychosis, and concluded that the two girls shared imposed psychosis. We were able to determine this form of shared psychosis fits best in the situation because if you remember, the primary is referred to as the inducer, which was Geyser, because she did most of the research on Slenderman and introduced the delusion to the secondary, or the induced, aka Weyer, by convincing her they had to follow what Slenderman said to do, which was kill their friend Lutner, or they, along with their families, will be dead instead. As I've mentioned before, this series will highlight the aftermath of this incident, including the legal repercussions, a statement from the victim, and the defendant's mental health. In this episode today, we'll be looking at how the defendant's mental conditions factor into the trial, how it determined their punishment, and if the punishment fit the crime. So with today's take on whether the girl's punishment of treatment at a mental institution was appropriate for the crime they committed, we all can agree that what these girls did to their friend was illegal and disturbing, but also perplexing. Number one, how do you comprehend 12-year-old girls, who are supposed to be bossy tweens playing dress-up and gossiping what happened at recess, be tried for attempted murder? Number two, how do you punish them? This isn't, oh, Morgan took my hairbrush and won't give it back, put her in time out. This is, Morgan tried to end someone's life. I mean, what do you do? Kids are supposed to be innocent. Which is why determining the proper punishment is immensely important for their growth as well as proper closure for the victim and their family. Alright, so today I want to give a warm welcome to a very special guest, my sister Elena, who worked very closely with kids similar to Geyser and Weyer, only they ended up behind a different set of bars. The kids Elena worked with was, what was it, three summers ago? 2018, yes. 2018, okay. So anyways, she worked as an intern with these kids who were admitted to the Cook County Juvenile Detention Center, and although these kids ended up in essentially a jail... That doesn't take away any possibility that they had untreated mental disorders like Geyser and Weyer, who were sentenced to treatment at a mental institution in Wisconsin as punishment for attempted first and second degree murder. 
So walk us through what it was like being in the jail with these kids and when you would talk to them, what was it like knowing that some of them committed some pretty revolting crimes? Um, I would say, generally speaking, just walking through the jail, I mean, I would say it was pretty scary because yes, having those thoughts in my mind of, I could be walking to, or walking next to a kid that maybe killed somebody yeah. or stabbed someone right. or whatever the case may be. But um, the kids went to school mm-hmm. all day long, okay. like a normal kid right. would uh, throughout the day. So they were in school at 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., whatever oh. times. So I didn't see them unless I was in the classroom setting with them, but they were in the learning environment where they weren't able to, you know, act up or yeah. do stupid things right. with their friends. So... And one of the unique things that I thought was um, pretty beneficial for the facility is that the boys and the girls are separated. And I mean, that's for men and women too with every jail, but um, it's not even by age, it's by ranking and they have different levels. There's like level one, level two, level three. So like (laughs) level one is like the level where you get taken into right Mm -hmm. after intake you know and Mm -hmm. that's like that it starts with like the behavior where if you're doing really good you're going to move up to level two so on so forth right so they are still treated like kids Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't necessarily say they can still be a kid because they are locked up behind bars but in terms of speaking of kids that had more serious um cases Mm -hmm. um I was a little familiar with um, kids who had mental disabilities um, related to their cases. Um, The jail didn't really participate in activities that had, um, you know, mental stability. um, Activities, trainings, and stuff. So you would would say that they're... Mental disorders weren't necessarily accommodated for in the jail. Right. So there was different activities for them, but it wasn't pinpointing um, everything that they, you know, should be able to obtain. But I would say the kids would then move on to the adult jail mm-hmm. once they turned 21. And I didn't really feel like that benefit benefited them because if they were, if they were going through some mental trauma from, right. you know, earlier on moving them up to a an adult jail wasn't really doing anything for them yeah. but hurting them even more exactly. so yeah so remembering your first time interacting with these kids what was your thoughts how were you feeling and what was their response describe the scene for us um i feel like my internal thoughts were definitely different from my actual um words to them mm-hmm. because every question to the kid uh, to the kids that i was um talking to was what did you do to get yourself in here mm-hmm. and you can't blame them because exactly. i mean you don't know their situation you don't know where they came from we don't really know why they're in here to begin with unless um their case officer has talked to them and that's confidential information that like cannot uh be talked about unless they talk to you about it yeah. so I did get the opportunity to talk to some of the kids on what they actually did to get themselves in there because they were comfortable with sharing that with me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Some of the things that were said or just done in the jail were questionable. So, Yeah. 
I want to go back to your first response and kind of piggyback off of what you said with you. You just said you don't know everybody's story. You don't know what got them in there. And those trauma that they the trauma that they've experienced, if it's not being accommodated for in the jail and they're not getting the proper training or coping mechanisms like that kind of sets them up already for failure. As soon as they get transported, like you said, when they're 21, they go to the adult jail but they're still kids living with adults who come like did some hard stuff and it's it's not fair to those kids who should be getting the proper treatment like guys are in where but they they are not in that in those circumstances in that situation and it it is it's hard to really be fair to everybody i would say right so Obviously, there were kids who committed less serious crimes, but in what cases did you feel that the kids who did commit the concerning crimes like murder or arson, their best place was in a mental institution instead of the jail? Right. Um, I, I would say there was definitely a big difference between the kids that dealt with drug abuse or cases that were not as serious as to kids that were getting into lots of trouble who were you know uh getting arrested for stabbing stuff like that so um the kids that you know were uh partaking um in murder you could see the difference in emotions and the way that they talked and it was very not not a lot of emotion Mm -hmm. um kind of just saying whatever you want to hear um it wasn't really they weren't engaging in the conversation to the full potential um they could be so yeah it was more so just to get get it over the kids that um had the less uh serious crimes were more hyper they wanted to talk to you Mm -hmm. get on your nerves you know stuff like that um and a lot of that was probably from immaturity right yes yeah so yeah there was a big difference i would say with that so for the kids that um had the more serious crimes i feel like they belong in a mental institution because Mm -hmm. there is definitely something that needs to be worked on and talked about because those kids are just sitting there just you know yeah, their Whatever. emotions are just stripped yeah. and they're not using them. They're not even thinking about it. Right. They're just observing everything that's going on. They're not saying a word unless they necessarily have to. So yeah. I feel like they need uh, they need extra help that the jail is not providing them. So, yeah. yeah. And that, it really just puts them behind. And because they're, I mean, those kids, they're still so young and it really damages their personal growth because... Even if they're, obviously the kids who are locked up for murder aren't getting out anytime soon, but the kids who are, have the less concerning crimes, but still need that support, they're going to be living on their own soon. And Mm -hmm. they're going to need that extra help. And chances are when they get out of the jail, they're not going to get the help by themselves. Yeah. And most of the time, the kids that are going through these issues, uh, mom and dad are locked up too, or some, uh, some way down the line, a family member has been locked up or has impacted them some way, somehow, in a negative um, aspect. So you never know where um, a person is coming from or what they've been dealing with because exactly that. Yeah. It's it's really sad. And 
those kids who you yeah you did say though their parents most likely are both unavailable not in the picture because they follow them in their footsteps they're they're looking at those are my examples those are my idols and not necessarily idols but my role models and when your role models are behind you then it just drags you down with them so aside from a, a lack of ability to express emotions what would you say were the most common or most significant psychological dilemmas you witnessed while evaluating the kids at the center what seemed like the kids were struggling with most um definitely communication skills um very lazy uh outdoor activities were it was mandatory like it was never an option where like you got to go outside or like you had to do some sort of physical physical activity throughout the day because you're just sitting in the classroom um setting where you're not you know you're not moving around so they need something to do and i would say a lot of the kids uh, that had the more serious crimes would um, disobey and would not want to do that. They would just want to sit and lay in their bed all day, and that's not allowed. So yeah. they need to do something. They they can't just sit there and think because they're going to be sitting there and thinking for a very long time. Yeah. So they need to find something else to do with their time um, while they're serving their sentence. Yeah, I think that is... That is good that they're still in the similar settings that a normal kid would be in, like being in school, being kind of forced to, all right, go outside and play or go yeah. outside and do something and just get their mind moving. Because like you said, if they're going to just be sitting there and thinking, they're probably going to be sitting there and thinking about things they shouldn't be thinking about and yep. that aren't going to help them progress with their mental health, their physical health, because that, sh- that puts a strain on it when you're just sitting there yeah like straight face thinking about negative thoughts and some positive things that come out of this too is like um i don't know throughout the month they'll have like a field day Mm -hmm. where like you know the staff will cook for them and they'll have games or whatever or they'll have like a family day but you'll see um what the kids that have the more serious crimes or the kids that had the most problems within the jail um families don't show up or Parents are MIA. You don't really know the story, so the staff does their best to make sure that um, they feel, you know, loved, yeah. just like right. uh, their families are, you know, there for their loved ones. So it's sad to see that, but, you know, everything kind of has an explanation to it, and you kind of can put the puzzle pieces together to see why that kid is potentially the way that they are. Yeah. So, yeah. That is good, though, that they have that field aid to, again, give those kids, like, some type of thing to look forward to each month, which does lead into something else I want to talk about. While you were there, what signs of growth did you see that was most prominent with the detainee's mental mentality or personal responsibility? I would say with the levels, because Mm -hmm. that was always, like, an accomplishment for them. Like, oh, my God, I reached level two. I reached level three. Like, I made my level today. Mm -hmm. Like, there was rewards on top of that. So, like, that was something that the kids really looked forward to because once they reached, like, level four was, like, the highest. Mm -hmm. So, if you got to level four, you know, you had spectacular behavior, you're doing good in school, and, like, you're probably almost out uh, for release. Mm-hmm. So that's just something that they can look forward to. And, um, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but, um, as you reach higher within the levels, you get more, um, 
you get more rewards. So mm-hmm. maybe that's like another phone call for the week. Maybe yeah. that's more, you know, maybe it's more food for the week. You never know. So yeah, yeah everything, um, I would say with the levels, that's something to look forward to. Um, visits. Visits are big too. Um, kids are really excited to see their family members because mm-hmm. the only people that they're surrounded by are the staff and the kids that they're, yeah. you know, around. Right. So it's good to see familiar faces um, when the kids are super happy to see uh, somebody that they haven't seen in a while. So that's also something that they look forward to. Yeah. Um, other than the visits, the levels, um, I would say like the family days, the field days, just, you know, extracurricular activities that are mm-hmm. fun for them that they can do something that's you know not jail based yeah. and as they would be doing in their own home maybe yeah. i think that's when you bring back those levels it does help with those core goal setting parts of your personality because you, you if that's the only thing you're looking forward to and you're really set on i want to get out of here i realize i made a mistake i want to get to level four to get out of here that puts in their mind you have to do xyz to get to that goal and that's exactly how it is in the real world i hate to say it like that but they're not in the real world in there but when they work up to get to that they'll most likely carry on those personality traits of working towards a goal once they get out and i forget what you said about uh something else with the goal settings and i can't remember right now but it I do think that that's beneficial for them. Oh, the extracurricular activities. That is extremely important because especially right now, kids who are my age, seniors, juniors in high school, and even maybe even younger, you do want to expose them to those extracurricular activities so it gets them on this path of what do I want to do with myself once I'm out of here, out of high school, even out of college. You want them to have some sort of vision for the route that they go to in life. And leading up to the last point I want to talk about, what was the most valuable lesson that you learned from these kids? And if there was one thing, one piece of advice you could pass on to them, what would you say to them? Um, I would say, um, number one, I'm very thankful for um, where I come from because yeah. I come from a house that has two parents. Yeah. Um, I live with my whole family and... Um, some people don't have that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really sad to see um, the different sides of life that a person um, can go through because you don't have that experience or even, like, it's hard to understand where other people come from because you don't, you don't know. Exactly. You don't know. So, but... um can you repeat your second question? Oh, yeah. The second question was, if there was one piece of advice you would pass on to the kids, oh, right. what would you say? If there was one piece of, of advice to pass on to the kids, I would just say, think before you act. Yeah. Because if you act before you think, just like that, your life can take a turn and those conse- those consequences can just be an ongoing thing forever. So think before you act, and that will probably keep you out of trouble. Yeah, because a lot (laughs) of the things that they did to get in there were probably impulsive decisions. And they were just like... Anger. Yeah, they were mad. 
they were just bored, they yep. wanted to get into trouble, and they didn't think about the consequences and how long they'd be thinking about the consequences. Because then at the end of the day, when they're serving those consequences, it's probably longer than what they expected, and they either forgot why they even wanted to do what they did to get in trouble, and they even don't even see the point why they did that, and they're just sitting there regretting what they did. Yeah. And that te- that usually happens uh, with kids on intake. They get on the level or whatever, and they sit in the pod, and they don't want to talk to anyone. And then, like, um, when a case manager actually goes and tries to talk to them, they have a big attitude, and they're just like, I'm not talking to nobody. Like, I wasn't even supposed to be in here in the first place. I'm just trying to get out on my release date, and that's what I'm trying to do. And, like... You know what? Because that attitude right there is not about to get you anywhere, but right, right back in here. Right. So you might want to change that around. That's the first thing that we can work on. So it's like you got to pinpoint those ideas um, and stuff like that. So like right when they come in, you just see exactly kind of like how um, how they are and how they're going to react with the other kids. So like you want to place them yeah. to where, you know, they're not going to be getting into any trouble and progressing on right. behavior and working on getting you know out yeah i want to go back to what you said about what you learned while working with these kids and just the fact of being grateful for the role models that you and i have it be living with both parents living in an environment where we're encouraged to go to school get a job find a job that you like and surround yourself with positive people that are not in your family, like with your friends and people who are similar, who are on a similar track of goal setting of, I want to do this. I want to be successful and being always in that environment. It just adds to it, progresses to it. And it, it does change your perspective on life because when you're constantly surrounded by that, when you see other kids or other people who are in a different point in life, it's hard for you to empathize with them. You can sympathize with them, but you don't necessarily know. You can't understand how they came about and how their life has been because your life has been so much different, which really just takes you back to the basics of like, I am glad I have a roof over my head. I am glad I have parents who are willing to help me out in school Mm -hmm. with financials, with always being there to support and with extracurricular activities, with sports and everything like that and just being a positive influence. And I think that is something special that unfortunately not everybody gets to enjoy in life. And I myself and I know you are and everybody else here are grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that is... All that I have, thank you so much for joining me and sharing yeah, your thank knowledge. You for having me. Yes, of course. I really appreciate your your experiences and it's so important to understand that your experiences can be impacted by so many other people, the kids that you worked with, even me doing a, a school project like this and that it works so well together with the pieces that I'm bringing together with trying to trying to compare this case of these two girls, Geyser and Weyer, with the kids you were working with because they're on different sides, but their lives could be compared with very closely together. So I just want to touch base back on the lack of some mental support and accommodations in the jail for the kids and how this kind of benef- was a benefit for the girls who were able to get that support from the institution. 
So to briefly go back on what I was talking about with Elena was that the kids that she worked with at the detention center, they unfortunately did not have proper accommodations for the ones who were struggling with mental disorders. As she mentioned, there some of them were just emotional dissociation, drug abuse before, prior to them being in holding and not having good role models. And that really takes a toll on a kid's emotional well-being and mental state and their ability to cope so when they don't have that support they just continue to suffer in in their cells at at the jail but with morgan and anissa they get that proper treatment the professional help and medicinal help that otherwise they wouldn't have been offered at a jail which definitely takes its toll in the trial process when it was in question whether they were to be sentenced to jail time or the best place for them was in the mental institution. So going back to the kids, mainly in the jail, and I want to just talk about how unproductive it it is to send those kids off to adult prisons and adult jails while they still struggle with mental disorders because they're kids. Yes, they were caught doing very, some of them malicious acts and they still broke the law, but they're still developing people. They're still developing kids. They're not adults yet. So how fair is it to send them off into an adult jail when they haven't really fully developed or they struggle to develop and socialize and express their emotions. And it sets them behind everybody else because like I said earlier, if it, if they didn't necessarily commit a, a very severe crime, they probably won't get locked up for life or for a very long time. Unfortunately for the kids who did commit crimes such as murder or other violent acts they'll be there in longer but they still will struggle to overcome their mental disorders and but going back to the kids who will get out a little earlier than the other kids it's going to be harder for them to live on their own and to assimilate back into what real life is outside of the jail cell and with them continuing to struggle with their mental disorders, they're most likely going to A, not get treatment, seek treatment themselves, and B, probably end back up in some sort of trouble in some way, shape, or form, whether that be back in the detention center or unfortunately later in their life when they can be tried and sent to an adult prison. So breaking away from that, while the trial was taking place for the girls Weyer and Geyser, the jury and the attorneys had to factor in the girls' mental health, mental health and mental disorders. And uh, it's safe to say that their diagnosis of shared delusion and Morgan's diagnosis of early onset schizophrenia saved them from being, from being forced to have to serve jail time. And even I questioned this decision the first time I was researching this case because I personally didn't think that this was fair to the victim. 
However, after doing some more research and and really understanding what they were diagnosed with and how it affects kids, I was a little more understanding. Especially now hearing from my sister how unstable some of the kids were in the detention center. And I can safely say that I agree with the argument the defense attorneys made and the decision the jury came up with of sentencing the girls to tr- to get treatment. So now instead of them being locked up in a jail cell with no hope of getting better, they're locked up in a more comfortable cell and hopefully learning useful skills to overcome their mental disorders and learn how to live on their own one day. With that, we've reached the end of this episode. To sum it all up, we discussed the outcome of the girl's diagnosis and how that came into play with their sentencing. We also were fortunate enough to have respectable insight from my sister, a former intern at the Cook County Juvenile Detention Center, who shared her experience working closely with the kids and holding there. With her observations, it was easier to get a clearer understanding of how serving jail time would have affected Geyser and Weyer, and and come to the conclusion that the mental institution is the best place for them to get their proper treatment for their mental disorders, yet still properly serve their punishment. For more information on this case, check out news stories published by ABC News and CBS. That's all for now on Twisted Minds, but be sure to stay tuned for more to come. Here's a look at the next episode. Up next on Twisted Minds. Do you remember when it started? Kind of. I didn't feel anything because my body was in shock. And just mind-blowing to hear her survival instincts kicking in even when she had been stabbed 19 times. 19 times she was stabbed, but she still had that motivation to clutch onto some trees to stumble her way out of the woods.